0: Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. My name is Dr. Justin Lehmiller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. We are currently in the midst of Masturbation Month. So today's episode is going to be all about self-pleasure. For a little bit of context, the origins of Masturbation Month actually date back to 1995 when U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Jocelyn Elders publicly said that masturbation is a natural part of human sexuality and something that should perhaps be taught in sex education courses. Elders' comments set off a political firestorm that ultimately led to her being fired. To mark her unjust dismissal, May 14th was declared to be National Masturbation Day, which was later expanded to include the entire month of May. More than a quarter century after Elders' firing, Masturbation is something that continues to be controversial. In fact, a lot of people today still think that masturbation is an unhealthy activity that causes a wide range of ill health effects. So today, we're going to set the record straight on masturbation. To that end, I'm going to be speaking with Marie Aoyama, who works in the global marketing department for Tenga, a Japanese-based sexual health and wellness brand, enabling users around the world to celebrate self-pleasure with its innovative and diverse sex and masturbation toys. We're going to be talking about findings from Tenga's 2021 Self-Pleasure Report, which was based on a representative survey of 1,000 American adults aged 18 to 54. We'll be discussing who's masturbating and who isn't, the reasons why people do it, what people are thinking about when they masturbate, and how masturbation affects us. I'm really looking forward to this conversation, so let's get to it. Hi, Marie, and welcome to the Sex and Psychology podcast.
1: Hi, Justin. It's great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. I'm so happy to talk to you today about Tenga, about our survey, and all the interesting findings.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to speak with you. We had to do a little bit of coordination because you're in Japan and I'm based in the United States and we have very different time (laughs) zones. So I appreciate you making the time to speak with me and for being my first international guest outside of North America. Oh,
1: wow. That's great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So before we get to the findings from the self-pleasure report, let's talk a little bit about the company that commissioned this research, Tenga. And for those who might not be familiar with the brand, can you please give us a brief overview of what Tenga is all about?
1: Yeah, certainly. So Tenga is a Tokyo-based company, as you've just said, and our focus is on the betterment of sexual health and wellness. So that means that our core concept is broadening the cultural acceptance of masturbation and making sexuality something everyone can enjoy without guilt or shame. So unlike many other masturbation tools that are out there, our products are not designed to replicate human anatomy, as we you know, kind of acknowledge that for many, masturbation is not a replacement or an imitation of sexual exchange. So instead, we focus on developing and producing tools to make masturbation itself a more enjoyable and beneficial experience. So... Therefore, our product lineup features diverse products with a focus on design, quality, function, and most importantly, pleasure. So that's a short intro of what Tengai is doing and trying to do. Yeah, sort of the the baseline is we're trying to like normalize the conversation around masturbation and in particular using sex toys while masturbating.
0: And something I like about your line of products is that they look like works of art. Like they're, they're beautiful and you, you <laughs> wouldn't look much. at them and necessarily think that they're sex toys. Like I think yeah. a lot of people would look at them and just, you know, think it's a neat thing to have. Like it, it's artistic yeah. looking yes. and they're they're not really going to know it's a sex toy unless they're familiar with the brand.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: so it looks good, but it's also something that I think, as you said, can make pleasure more accessible different people because some people might feel intimidated or uncomfortable with something that looks too much like you know real human anatomy or something along Mm -hmm. those lines
1: exactly so our goal is to like make lifestyle items so sex tools Mm -hmm. like sex toys should be tools that are integrated into the lifestyle so that's, that's why you said, you know, our products, if you put it on the shelf, just right behind me, you wouldn't notice that. That's Maybe it's a, it looks like a lamp, <laughs> for instance. Yeah, <laughs> some of them do. Yeah.
0: So I'm curious, what drew you to working with Tenga in the first place? And what do people say when they find out that you work for a sex toy company? Because I'm sure people probably have yes. some thoughts on that.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So actually, the thing is, during the first few months of my marriage, you know, the famous end of the honeymoon phase, my husband and I experienced an imbalance in sexual desire, so to speak. So, to put it short, I wanted more and he wanted less. So, we had this kind of imbalance. And up until then, I've never had issues, hurdles with my sexuality. So, and I've had a I would say a very average sex life up until then i've had a few partners i've had a few experiences i I thought i was well informed about you know topics such as contraception stis pregnancies etc etc but this topic was very new for me so it was the first time for me that i didn't have an idea what to do about it so as a millennial usually what you do when you face unknown territory is to search it on Google. (laughs) But this time I couldn't find like any valuable information, but I knew that I was not the first one to experience this kind of thing in a marriage, in a relationship, whatever, you know. So I started talking to my friends and families and people and to just to get some information, exchange opinions, experiences, to have like objective discussions about it. But the usual reaction I got was like very embarrassed people sitting in front of me and trying to change the subject. You know, I was pregnant at the time. So people are like, yeah, 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 that's, oh, that's, yeah. But, but you're going to be a mom, you know? <gasps> yeah, it's great. But you know, that's a different story. Like being sexually active is like one of the basic human needs, you know, such as sleeping and eating. So not being satisfied with that feels like being on a constant diet. I was like sleep deprived. So, it haunted me, and it obsessed. I, I got obsessed with it that I couldn't just turn it off. you know. So I started to dig deeper and deeper and deeper into this topic until I faced this like massive stigmatization of sexuality that I didn't experience up until then. So, like while having one of my like missionary lunches with a friend <laughs> where I was talking about, you know this topic, <laughs> Is, is so much, there's so much taboo about this, around this topic, and it should be lifted. And you know, that it would benefit so much more if we were open about something that is so natural and like exchange experiences, opinions, and so on. And my friend interrupted me and said, Do you know Tenga? <laughs> and- <laughs> because they are exactly trying to do what you have been describing to me while your pasta got cold you know they're trying to normalize sexuality lift those taboos around masturbation and sex toys and general the topic of sexuality so after that lunch i went straight home researched them on the internet again (laughs) and during the same evening I've sent them my CV and yeah here I am (laughs) that's that's (laughs) my story (laughs) yeah and as for people when I when I say that I work for a sex toy company I say that on purpose you know I, I go straight and say I work for a sex toy company I do not explain everything that's like I'm working for a sexual wellness company and our aim is blah, blah, blah. I go straight into it. And in Japan, usually, because we have a very high brand awareness, people usually know that, ah, yeah, Tenga, but they're not, they're not lewd, you know, they're, they're trying to normalize things and that, da, da, da. so they, they are aware of that. But in Western countries where our brand awareness is not that high yet, I get very surprised eyes, but it's, you know, it's a nice icebreaker (laughs) to start like a conversation. (laughs) But usually when I explain everything, people understand and they're like, yeah, yeah, I I, I can see that this is an important topic.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. It sounds like you found a career that's the perfect match for your background and, you know, what you're passionate about. So I I think you're a great advocate for expanding and, and normalizing sexual pleasure. And I can relate to, you know, Working in the field of sex research and education, it, it's definitely an icebreaker when people <laughs> find is, out what I, I do. <laughs> and, you know, at first there is that shocked reaction sometimes, but then yeah. the next thing you know, they're asking you all of their sex questions.
1: Yes, because so. yes. usually those people have questions as well. And they're like, oh, finally someone I can talk to about this, maybe, you know, and then they exactly. open up you know, very interesting conversations. <laughs>
0: So let's talk about Tenga's self-pleasure report. Can you tell us why you all decided to conduct a survey on masturbation right now?
1: Mm-hmm. Like Actually, we have started the Tenga self-pleasure reports six years ago, back in 2016, as a way to celebrate Masturbation May. So our very first survey was conducted in the United States only, and it was called the United States of Masturbation Survey. <laughs> <laughs> where we surveyed about 1,200 Americans aged between 18 to 74 about their views and habits around sexuality, including masturbation and sex toys. So the aim was to like, better understand the Americans' perception of and sentiments toward masturbation and the ways in which they masturbate, the role of masturbation in their relationships and the views on and, and interest in masturbation tools. So since then, we have surveyed like numerous countries every year and found out about the masturbation habits of people around the world, basically. And one of the key findings amongst all the other interesting findings was that, you know, masturbation is an almost universal behavior. (laughs) So it it is, as I said, a basic human need. And everybody masturbates, like almost everybody masturbates.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate that you take a cross-cultural perspective there and you know you haven't just looked at one country in the surveys that you've done because when you look at sex and sexual behavior cross-culturally sometimes you see drastic differences in things but it sounds like what you're saying is that you know masturbation is one of the equalizers across a lot of the different cultures that you've surveyed
1: yeah so once we ask the question like what is more pleasurable and we listed up a few things like Mm. having sex, masturbating, having a nice meal or, you know, changing clothes or having a nice bath and so on and so on. So we listed a few things and it was very interesting to see the differences in countries. So in the Western countries, usually having sex or masturbating ranked very high, but in Asian countries, Japan, for example, like having a nice meal was number one, was the number Mm. one pleasurable thing for them to do. So that seeing that kind of difference was was very interesting.
0: That is fascinating and makes me wonder a lot of different things. Is is the food just better?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe (laughs) (laughs) it's. That might be one way to see (laughs) to see it. Yeah. (laughs) There's all kinds
0: of ways to interpret the findings. So let's talk about some of the key findings from the survey. And you know, as you mentioned, you know, most people are masturbating. There are certainly some people who don't, and you know, it's okay if if you masturbate or if you don't, you know, it's a personal decision and there's nothing wrong with not masturbating if that's uh, your personal choice and and decision. But in terms of the people who are masturbating, can you tell us a little bit about some of the differences that you see across groups? So for example, how does masturbation practice vary across gender and sexual orientation?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So our survey data gathered over the past six years in the United States show that a strong majority, so over 85% of Americans have masturbated before. And this 85-ish number has been a constant number over the past six years. But like, interestingly, for example, the Spanish, British and Germans tend to do it even more. (laughs) So they are on a constant (laughs) 88 to 95% over the past few years. So that's also very interesting. And in terms of sexual orientation, yeah, interestingly, data shows that men and LGBTQ plus identifying Americans are more likely than other groups to masturbate. Mm -hmm. And they also tend to start younger. So the average age for those two groups, I would say, is around 18 years on average. The American average in general is around 14.5 years old. And the average age for women to start are masturbating is around 15.8 years. So the women tend to be a little bit slower, like slow starters. Yeah, but in in general, we can see across the board that everyone's masturbating. And in terms of generation, yes, definitely a difference. So older generations tend to have masturbated less You know, there there are lesser people in this generation compared to younger people. So there are more millennials and Generation Zs that have masturbated. Mm -hmm.
0: And that makes sense. And it lines up with the broader scientific literature on masturbation. And I should say that, you know, you, you all are working from nationally representative samples, which I think is great because that's Mm -hmm. the best kind of data you can have to draw meaningful conclusions about what's really going on. And the fact that, you know, the findings from your surveys triangulate really well with what we see in the broader literature says, you know, hey, there is something to this because it's, you know, telling us <laughs> a similar information to, to some of these other studies, but you're also collecting additional information that in some cases hasn't been asked before on other surveys, which is why I think that your work makes a valuable contribution to all of this. So since we're on the subject of masturbation, you know, we talked about how it's something most people have done before, but how has it changed over the last year? You know, Mm -hmm. a lot was said at the beginning of the pandemic that people were going to be masturbating more than ever because everybody would just be bored (laughs) and horny at home and they wouldn't have anything (laughs) else to do. But we conducted some research at the Kinsey Institute last year and actually found a drop in masturbation early on in the pandemic. But there were Mm -hmm. some people who were doing it more. So, you know, it wasn't the same pattern for everybody. But what did you find? So overall, last year, did people say they were masturbating more or less?
1: So according to our data from last year, an impressive 37% have increased their frequency of self-pleasure during self-quarantine or lockdown. And this year, we have asked the same question again, and 42% said that they were masturbating more during lockdown. So that number even increased looking at our data. So I would say we can definitely say that overall, people were masturbating more often during the last few year and and months. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes different studies will show different things. So for example, in the Kinsey Institute study I mentioned, we had a convenient sample of a couple thousand American adults who were recruited through social media. But you know, the fact that you were looking at a nationally representative sample and tapping into some groups that we weren't looking at tells us something that's a little bit different. So that's why it's important to, you know, try and put the pieces together. But so what you're saying is that, you know, for a lot of people, there was an increase in masturbation during the pandemic, um, which, you know, (laughs) to some extent supports some of the predictions that were made at the beginning, but it wasn't universal across the board. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more about that In just a second. So, you know, when you compare your year over year data, there was this interesting gender difference that popped out where you saw that the number of women who said they were masturbating weekly during the pandemic actually decreased from the year before. So there was actually kind of a decrease in masturbation for women that wasn't really there for men. And so I'm curious do you have any sense as to why that might be, you know, and why the pandemic might have had more of an impact on? depressing women's masturbation habits
1: <laughs> yeah so i mean we have asked this very question in our survey last year to those who have said that they have masturbated less during quarantine we have asked them what were the main reasons you masturbated less during lockdown and the biggest reason for both sexes was um lack of privacy i mean mm. i guess that's relatable understandable when you're trapped at home you know with the grandma grandpa kids and dog <laughs> i guess there is no space to have a nice little session but where we see a difference between the sexes was the reason i'm too stressed or anxious so while 25% of men were too stressed 39% of women said that i'm too i feel too stressed too anxious to engage like in self pleasure but i guess it, it's really hard to answer that but one potential theory why the pandemic have had more of an impact on women's masturbation habits might be that women maybe tend to take longer to get aroused or to get you know ready, mm-hmm. so to speak, compared to men. You know, there is this famous arousal curve that shows mm-hmm. that men do not need that much time to be fully aroused, to be in the mood. Well, for women, it's like this slowly building up kind of arousal curve that stretches over, can stretch over a very long period of time. So I guess when there are more factors that can like potentially interrupt this arousal curve, such as, you know, stress, negative thoughts, news, children that want to be fed, dogs that want to be petted, I don't know, whatever, I guess it's only natural and and like fair that the desire to engage in self-pleasure drops. But, you know, I would love to hear your opinion as well, because at the end, you are the expert in that field.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing all of that. I think the privacy angle is really interesting and could tie in with the fact that there is that gender difference in how long it takes to reach orgasm. So, you know, based on the data that I've seen, you know, average length of time for a man to reach orgasm during intercourse is about five minutes. And mm-hmm. if he's macerating, it might be less than that. It could also be more if he was, you know, watching pornography and wanted to have an extended session or something like that. But, you know, basically, it's something that could be accomplished in just a couple of minutes for the average yeah. man whereas mm-hmm. for women when you look at the research it's it's closer to 15 minutes to reach orgasm and that's with effective stimulation whether it's you know with a partner or not and so the fact that it takes longer combined with less privacy you know makes it more of a hurdle for women to you know be able to masturbate to to orgasm so i think that's part of it but i also really appreciate you talking about the the stress and anxiety piece because we know there were big gender differences in how this pandemic affected people. And women in general were, on average, more concerned with the pandemic than men were. And that's part of the reason why we see women being vaccinated against COVID-19 at higher rates compared to men, because they had more of that anxiety. And so if they were more anxious, we know that that can push down sexual arousal and desire. But then there's also the fact, the other thing, which is that women were kind of disproportionately burdened with a lot of things around the house during the pandemic, where there were more yeah. household, childcare, homeschooling, and other responsibilities that fell on women, which can heighten stress and I think lower sexual desire and masturbation. So I think kind of the confluence of all of those things is probably what explains that effect.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super interesting stuff. And it's something we, that we definitely need more research into to, you know, really better understand what was happening and why there was this differential impact on men and women. So we have much more to discuss, including sex toy use, common myths about masturbation, and so much more. But first, a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Promescent has everything you need for amazing sex, including their signature delay spray which has been clinically shown to help men increase their stamina in the bedroom. It has target own technology, which allows you to desensitize only the areas you want and customize it for your body. Check it out and see why it has thousands of five-star reviews. It's also recommended by more than 2,000 medical professionals. Promescent offers a number of other sexual wellness products, including their Vitaflux supplements, female arousal gel, and line of personal lubricants that come in water-based, silicon, and organic varieties. Promescent offers a 60-day money-back guarantee on all orders and free shipping on orders over $10. Also, all orders come in discreet, plain white bubble mailers to guarantee privacy. Learn more and place your order at promescent.com. That's P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T.com. And we're back. My guest today is Marie Aoyama, who works in the global marketing department for Tenga. Let's talk about sex toys, Marie. So a lot of retailers reported a surge in sex toy sales during the pandemic. So in your survey, did you find any changes in sex toy usage last year? And also, if you happen to know, did Tenga see a rise in interest in their products last year as well?
1: Yeah, so that's my favorite topic. (laughs) So according to our data, quarantine definitely spurred sex toy purchases, mainly motivated by stress relief and free time. So last year's report showed that 10% of US adults purchased additional sex toys in anticipation of self-quarantine. And this year, it was like 36% that were using more sex toys during lockdown. And 28% of sex toy users bought a new sex toy in the past year. So boom, there you have it. And among those motivations for using sex toys included to help me cope with stress, anxiety, and uncertainty. I was ranking the highest with 37%. I had more free time was also 37% and followed by I was bored, which I guess is Mm -hmm. also a legit reason (laughs) to use sex toys. (laughs) So we can definitely see that people were using more sex toys and that many of them actually used them to cope with stress and boredom. (laughs) As for us, as for Tenga, we saw an inevitable increase in our online sales, but our brick and mortar store partners were, and some still are, facing tough times because, you know, shops had to be closed. So to sum it up, it's like one channel increased while the other one suffer. So for us, it's kind of like it's it's a balanced out situation.
0: That's so interesting because I hadn't really thought about it and put all the data points together, but it mm-hmm. makes so much sense. You know, we heard a lot of media reports about rise in sex toy sales, but that was a rise in sex toy sales online.
1: Online, and,
0: yes. Yes. And so the brick and mortar stores were were struggling and selling less. And so there was that you know, they sort of canceled each other out to some degree. So so that's that would be interesting to know to have like a broader picture of the entire sex toy industry. Was it up overall or was it just that the online sales were up and the in-person sales were down? I would yeah. love to know the answer and I hope somebody puts that <laughs> together <laughs> at yeah. some point. You know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, a lot of people talked about lack of privacy as a reason why they weren't masturbating but at the same time they also had more time on their hands which is why they yeah. were using sex toys more and and yeah. so that's just sort of an interesting paradox that there were probably a lot of people who had more time on their hands and wanted to masturbate more but they couldn't mm-hmm. because they didn't have the mm-hmm. privacy to do it yeah. so you know it's just something I'm thinking about where there are some interesting constraints there on you know maybe there were a lot more people who would have done it if they would have actually had the opportunity in terms of like a private space to do it
1: yeah so we have cross referenced this with household composition as well so we can definitely see that people who are living alone answered that were having more masturbation sessions while there were less people who were you know living with the family like partner children etc there were many people who lived with the family who said that they did not have enough time or they did not have more masturbation sessions during lockdown. So I guess that really depends, highly depends on household composition as well.
0: Yeah. And that's such an important point. I appreciate you bringing that up. So let me ask next, what do people do when they masturbate? And I mean, what do they <laughs> do besides use sex toys? Right? We know that that many people are using them, but you know, something else you asked about in your survey was sexual fantasies. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm someone who has studied sexual fantasies. I've written a whole book about it. And so I'm curious, what did you find in terms of how many people are fantasizing during masturbation and what are they fantasizing about?
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So adult content, adult content remains paramount in (laughs) American masturbation routine. So 52% of those who masturbate view adult content while doing so. 65% Among them are men, followed by 40% who use their imagination or fantasize. And that's a higher number amongst women. So more women use their fantasy, more men tend to watch adult content. Or that's kind of even, many think about previous experiences as well. Mm -hmm. Americans also like to listen to music. Favorite (laughs) artists include The Weeknd, Marvin Gaye, or Rihanna, (laughs) when masturbating or having sex. And a quarter of Americans fantasize about celebrities while having sex or masturbating. And among those who do, those are the well-known celebrities that show up in American imagination. So the funny thing is, (laughs) we've conducted the survey for six years now, and we've asked this question every time because it's kind of interesting. And every year there is at least one Jennifer in the ranking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like company internally, we call them the Jennifers. So it is either Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Lawrence and Jennifer Lopez. So there's always at least one Jennifer. And this year, it was Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie that are Mm -hmm. prominent in Americans' sexual fantasies.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. And it lines up so well with the research that I've done on sexual fantasies. So the book that I wrote, it's called Tell Me What You Want. I surveyed more than 4,000 Americans about their sexual Mm. fantasies and one of the things that I asked them about was, you know, who are the people who appear in your fantasies? And I did find that a lot of people had fantasized about celebrities and when I looked at, you know, who are the celebrities, there were a lot of Jennifers on that list and I believe Jennifer Aniston and Jennifer Lawrence were both in the top five. (laughs) I'm sure that this Also varies from, you know, year to year based on, you know, what are the trends in pop culture. But I think that that shows the influence that, you know, culture has on our sexual fantasies because it establishes these standards of, you know, what is beautiful, attractive and sexy. And then that sort of feeds into our sexual fantasies in some way. I also think it makes total sense that you find that men are using porn more than fantasy during masturbation, whereas women mm-hmm. are using more fantasy than porn. Yeah. That's, that's a really cool finding that really makes sense because, you know, most porn that's made is made by men for men. And so it's yeah. more appealing to them. And so I think it's harder for women to find porn that reflects their interest, which is why they might have to turn to their imagination a little bit more.
1: Yeah. But, you know, times are changing Mm and more porn producers that are producing porn for women, thanks to God. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, times are shifting on that end as well. It's a great thing to see.
0: (laughs) Yes. And that's why, you know, a term that I, I see referenced increasingly is female friendly erotica. You know, it's porn that is made by women for women. And I know there are a lot of people who are, you know, producing content along those lines. And so it's making, adult content more accessible to women so it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward if there's more uptake of that content by women and so will that shift how many of them are you know relying more on fantasy toward relying more on the visual experience so i don't know yeah. we'll just have to find out
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so there's this common narrative around masturbation that it's unhealthy that it's bad for us both physically and psychologically However, this hasn't been supported by the research. You know, in fact, what we see is that there's this very consistent finding across studies that masturbation tends to be linked to positive outcomes, not negative outcomes. So the results of your survey line up with this. So can you tell us a little bit about what you found in terms of, you know, what are the reasons why people are masturbating and what kinds of positive effects are they reporting?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the main reasons for Americans to masturbate is to relax or relieve stress, that's ranking very high, to satisfy sexual urges, and to achieve sexual pleasure. So those three are the main reasons for Americans to masturbate. And interestingly, masturbation actually provided, let's say, a lifeline during quarantine. As 42% of U.S. adults who masturbate reported that they have been masturbating more often than before. And among those, um, reported that masturbation has helped or acted as a form of self-care during quarantine. So, yeah, masturbation actually has a very positive impact on people. And on that end, many people even believe that it improves the personal well-being overall. So most U.S. adults attribute positive impact to masturbation, such as masturbation improves my mood, it helps me manage my stress, it improves my sleep, and 32% say that masturbation is a form of self-care or therapy to me, and they even include it in into their like weekly masturbation routine. So you can definitely see that, yeah, it is a it is a lifeline for many.
0: Yeah, self-pleasure is self-care. You know, I think that's yeah, one of the yes. big conclusions from from what you find. And masturbation can do a lot of good things for us. And we see this in other research as well, that masturbation helps to reduce stress. It improves mood. It makes it easier to fall asleep. It, some people say that it improves concentration and reduces distraction. And then there's also some of the research looking at, you know, how does masturbation affect us? Physically, And there have been some studies where, for example, they've had men masturbate to orgasm and then they test parameters of their immune system functioning and find that masturbating to orgasm actually stimulates the immune system, activates it. And so... We don't have a lot of research on this yet, but you know, that is something that some have interpreted to be, well, this is one way that it could potentially improve your health, is that if yeah. it's activating your immune system, then you'd be more adept at fighting off potential infection or disease. So, you know, there's all kinds of things that masturbation can potentially do for us. And so I appreciate you kinda yes, it's a powerful tool. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Now, another common narrative around masturbation is that it's somehow lesser than compared to sex. However, you asked people, would you rather give up sex or masturbation for a month? And you found something really interesting. You know, I think a lot of people would assume, oh, yeah, like everybody would give up masturbation because, you know, you could have sex because sex is necessarily better. But that wasn't the case. So what did you find there?
1: So the fact is that Americans, yes, it's true, would rather give up on masturbation than sex. But over a third, like 35% of U.S. adults say that they would not rather give up masturbation for a month. So even among those in monogamous relationships, like marriages and relationships. So this shows that masturbation is in no way, like as I said, a replacement of sex, but Mm -hmm. an essential activity for many. And as I said, more than half of US adults, they have like a weekly self-care routine. And among them, 50% include masturbation into their routine. So I kind of always compare um, masturbation and sex with um, cooking at home and going to a restaurant to eat. It is different, (laughs) but you would not want to abstain from one or the other. It's just, it's different. It has different qualities. You enjoy it in different ways. It has Mm -hmm. the pros and cons, but... Just because it's different doesn't mean that the one is better than the other, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such an interesting finding. And, and, and it speaks to, you know, the role that self-pleasure plays in our life and how many people find it to be really pleasurable and really rewarding in a way that actually exceeds the pleasures and rewards of partnered sexual activity. And so, yeah. you know, that just really gets to the heart of how masturbation is self-care for so many people because you know you wouldn't see that many people choosing masturbation over sex if it wasn't such a source of power pleasure and enjoyment Mm -hmm. in people's lives
1: yeah exactly
0: now while most of the people who took your survey seem to have a pretty positive attitude toward masturbation there still appears to be some stigma and taboo that's present around it and You asked people, so how comfortable would you be talking about masturbation to your friends or other people that you know? So how many people said that they would or would not be willing to discuss masturbation with their friends? Mm
1: -hmm. So nearly three quarter said that society would benefit if people were more open in discussing sexual topics such as masturbation. However, fear may want to take the first step. So it was 60% that feel comfortable talking about masturbation with their close friends or partners. And we can see that millennials and LGBTQ plus um, identifying Americans and current sex toy users are most likely to report openness to talking about masturbation. Yes, in last year's r- report, for example... We have asked people in relationships and um, we found out that they're most comfortable they're more comfortable discussing mental health and salary money more comfortable discussing that than masturbation or using sex toys so we can still see a gap between like intention when you say yeah it is important but you know an action
0: yeah that makes total sense especially to me as a social psychologist that What Mm -hmm. people say is important isn't necessarily reflected in their actions and behaviors. And, you know, so the fact that, you know, in your survey, you found that 40% of people said, I would not be comfortable talking about masturbation with close others. And that you also find that lots of people in relationships say, you know, I'd rather talk about money or (laughs) something else than talk about self-pleasure. Yeah, it means there is a lot of stigma that's still there. People still feel that it's a taboo topic of discussion. So, you know, I think that leads to the really important question of, you know, what can we do to, you know, help further break some of those taboos around masturbation and encourage more open discussions about it?
1: Yeah. So, like, I believe that, you know, the most important thing is to just keep on talking about it seriously, objectively, collectively, politically, or even anecdotally or in a funny way. You know, to share experiences, as I said earlier. And it's also important to like create platforms to do that. It's easy to say, let's talk about it. But you have to actually have platforms like online or physical um, to talk about it. What I also think that is important is the way we speak about something, like which words we use, the language and the tone we use, makes a big difference. The way we speak heavily influences our thinking and behavior, right? Right. So shifting the language we're using to talk about sexuality will make a huge difference. So if we, for example, keep on using like encrypted language to describe body parts, not only (laughs) to children, you know, when explaining body parts to them, but also amongst adults, you know, like talking about down below or that thing or doing it, you know, the kids will learn that this is something lewd and forbidden. But as we adults, even like reinforced the, the idea that this is something taboo and stigmatized. But yeah, mm-hmm. so what I also think is very important is, you know, a sex education at schools, of course, but also how mainstream media treats and shows this topic might play a big role in further like opening this conversation. So I believe that we need more, you know, funny, yeah, educational series, such like Sex Education by Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like that one was a very good one. It was educational, but very entertaining and fun. And so things like that will help to opening up the conversation is what I feel and think. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love the show Sex Education. And it's funny because (laughs) I I often don't watch shows that deal with sex issues because as a sex researcher and educator, it feels like work for me (laughs) to watch a TV show That's about sex. You know, like at the end of the day, like sex is the last thing (laughs) that I want to think (laughs) about because I've just been talking about it all day long. Give me a break from sex just for a little bit. But sex education was one of those shows that really sort of broke the mold for me that, you know, it made everything funny and accessible and I wasn't sitting there the whole time just like picking apart like all of the things that are wrong (laughs) with the show Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you know I I come at it with also this you know sort of hypercritical lens uh because Mm -hmm. this is what I do for a living it's not to say that everything in the show is a perfect depiction of reality just that it's better than most yeah and so I think you're right and I think everything you said is great you know it, it is important that we have depictions in the popular media that don't just portray masturbation as a shameful activity or you know as as this funny thing where it's only a side show you know yeah. masturbation is important there's actually this show i saw recently on hulu it's called pen 15 that was really like one of the first shows that really kind of I think really tried to normalize female masturbation in a way that I just thought was like really powerful. And so I think, mm-hmm. you know, the culture is shifting there a little bit in terms of, you know, popular media portrayals, but also, as you said, you know, we need the sex education. We need to equip people with the communication skills so that they can talk about all of this. So I appreciate you sharing all this information. And I think we're, we're in 100% agreement about that.
1: Wonderful. <laughs> that is great.
0: So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Marie. It was a pleasure to have you here.
1: Thank you for having me, Justin. It was, it was fun talking up to you about sex toys and, and all the topics that we've discussed. It was great.
0: So if people want to learn more about Tenga or the Tenga Self-Pleasure Report, where can they go to do that?
1: So we have all the reports and the highlights listed up on the landing page on our U.S. online store. So go to usstore.tenga.co. And you will find a banner linking you to all those funny and fun and interesting um, findings that we had over the past six years. So check it out.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of great data. And then also check out Tenga's products while you're there. And you'll see what I mean in terms of what we were talking about, how they have a really unique and interesting design right they don't look like the sex toys that you're used to seeing and so you know take some time and explore them because there's there's some really cool stuff there so thanks again marie i really appreciate your time
1: thank you very much
0: and thank you to my listeners to keep up with new episodes of the podcast you can visit my website sex and psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform where i hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the podcast can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates i'm on twitter at justin laymiller and instagram at justin j laymiller also be sure to check out my book tell me what you want if you want to learn more about what people are thinking about when they're in the mood thanks again for listening until next time